field. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbarousas! today. We'll call it Matilda's Yellow. That's yes. Matilda's Let's Gold. Do. Gold, even. Yeah. If you're listening on the podcast, Josh and Jason here. Jason has come in the Central Coast Mariners kit, and uh, I have gone for the Chiang Mai FC jersey, which is the only Thai football shirt we have in the studio, but uh, I think they're a second division uh, club these days. But in honour of uh, Melbourne City's Asian Champions League debut on Friday night, against BG Patham United. Uh, we're uh, hopefully going to catch up with Ryan Walters from K-League United to preview that match a little later on in the program. He's just landed in Thailand, so uh, we'll see if we can track him down or not. But plenty to talk about in the meantime uh, as Perth Glory go into a bit of a social media tailspin. Uh, goals galore in the A-League incredible turnarounds in fortunes on a game-to-game basis, making the league almost impossible to analyse. And two Matildas games, one on Friday night and uh, to review and one to preview tonight against New Zealand. Uh, Jason, where do you want to start? We've got a smorgasbord of football to cover. There's a lot, There's a lot, Josh, isn't there? There's so many goals in the last week. And the, the form turnaround from... Central Coast Mariners starting off a week ago with a 5-0 win and then they finished theirs with a 5-0 loss and and the rest Sydney FC had a massive turnaround. The Jets, Perth Glory, oh, even Melbourne City going from winning, you know, 6-0, 4-0 and then losing 3-0. So, and they're the, the front runners. So it's really, it's very ridiculous, but very fun to watch. Let's start with Perth Glory, I think, uh, because they went down 6-1 to the box office Newcastle Jets on the weekend. Uh, Goals galore, Becker, Mikkel, Tadze scoring a hat-trick. Daniel Pena with two goals. They were absolutely irresistible, Newcastle. Uh, But Perth's season continues to go from bad to worse. And the likes of Tony Sage and CEO Tony Pinata have taken to social media to plead with supporters for calm and understanding uh, given all the injuries and challenges that they face this season that's contributed to the form. But I think the fans are pretty fed up. They're pretty sick of it. We've been talking about Perth Glory's form for most of the season as mm. well. They're, they're, they're pointing the finger at the injuries and the fact that uh, Rubens had to play the kids. And if you have a look, this is ever in national... I saw got this stat off Andrew Howe. Only the second time ever in, in national, the NSL or the A-League, where the starting 11 had no player with the numbers between 1 and 11. So it goes to show you that they did have to play the kids, a lot of reserve players and a lot of top-up players with all the injuries they've got. Um, but I think the frustration stems from they didn't. They weren't playing the kids at the start of the season. They had some decent recruits and uh, some decent players, and we've we've given them some leniency with the the COVID restrictions with their travel and the rest of it has been quite hard. But um, I think it's now time for the supporters to you know they're airing their grievances, and I think they have a right to really six mm. ones. Not really excuse, excusable, is it? No, and we have seen some big score lines in the A League this season. But this is, I mean, Perth are the one consistent team in the competition that you know they're going to be pretty bad from week to week. This is a new low, certainly. Um, But, you know, with Wellington, perhaps you can excuse it because they they came back, they showed some serious character to knock off Western United on the weekend Mm. in convincing fashion. And they've been competitive in in lots of games, even if they have had a couple of tonkings. So, you know, you can excuse some of the sides that have had their their big ups and downs. Mm -hmm. But with Perth, it just doesn't seem to be anything to celebrate well the tone of the message from from tony sage wasn't um wasn't very i didn't think it was very flash in terms of how he was actually talking to you know are you a real supporter or not like these he's talking to the people that are rusted on if they're still going to these games they care if they're still watching these games they care they're bottom of the league they're they're not not going anywhere they've recruited the english patient we've we've mentioned Mm. many many times Fornaroli was the shining light who made the Socceroos. He'd be, be the only shining light, one of the very sorry, one of the very few. We talked about Josh Rawlins getting signed by a Dutch club, 
but the lack of transparency, um, what they're actually doing in the future, what their plans are in terms of the coach. Gus, Richard Garcia was a scapegoat by the looks of things. And he's having a crack at the fans who are actually showing some passion, which, which we talked about a lot with Australian football this year. If you're showing some form of passion, you, you should be sort of at least looked after. Let, let, let's read out this, uh, this statement, uh, such as it is. A Facebook status uh, from, from <laughs> Tony Sage, who's never been the most flash it's, when it's it comes com- to it's complicated. Uh, social media and uh, communicating with the supporters. To the keyboard warriors, it is addressed... Your own supporters, <laughs> the keyboard warriors. Jones. That'd be a good ultra group, sorry, because they grew up, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I think actually it. the shed should rename themselves yeah. for the next home game. Uh, Jones Forno Roly, uh, misspelled. Uh, Keo O'Neill, again, misspelled. Sturridge, Otter, Sardinero, Bodnar, Armiento, uh, Stanojevic, etc., are all injured. Give our kids a break. It's the youngest team to ever play a senior A-League game. That team could have snatched a point against a full-strength victory who then beat um, a ladder leader's City 3-0. Well, they didn't, did they? Uh, we won the premiership recently, and since then, Gloria's had the worst ever fixtures than any other club over the last two seasons, <coughs> mainly well, due to COVID border restrictions. <coughs> very good well, point. Yeah, very right. good point. Yep. So support our great academy kids who are trying their very best. When going through this tough something... Uh, tough period, I guess. We should all support the players, coaches and staff. They feel it and are copying it. As for me, run and do what you want. I know I love this club, but do you? Dot, dot, dot. See that, that little call to action at the end? That is a call to action. What does he expect? And so people are coming back. And I saw this one thing as well. Under Sage, fans have sat through a salary cap scandal, multi-threats to dump the licence, attempt to sell the licence to a convicted criminal. <laughs> that crypto thing is amazing anyway, we want to go back. 13-odd years of mediocrity with one trophy to show for it. Um, they, and when they're up and about, Perth Glory, there's nothing mm. better than an up and about. Well, most clubs in when they're up and about are fantastic. But the Glory are one of those ones that, you know, made the transition from old soccer to new football many, many years ago, but they really not haven't... They really haven't shown it at mm. all in the, A-League, in the A-League era. Let's not forget that these are the most expensive tickets in the competition. Mm. You know, they haven't had many chances to play at home, but even before all of the border restrictions uh, were announced or, or were kept and they had to play so many away games this season, uh, they had the most expensive season tickets in the league by a f- margin of about $200. Are they covering some excess salary for some players, perhaps, to do that? Well, they've been expensive for a long time, though, yeah. like even before uh, they went for storage. It's not, a, it's not a cheap town, Perth, I get that, but I mean... No, it's, um, it's common in WA sport to have pricier tickets. It's a bit of in, inflation, and I guess also the travel costs associated with the team are significant, but... He's backing the kids, right, in his, in his little heartfelt plea, mm. but look who's injured and the ages of the players that are injured. Like we, well, Fornaroli's the young one. How old's Andy Keogh? 34. 34. Fornaroli's 34. Brad Jones turned 40. Um, Daniel Sturridge hadn't played for 14 months prior to this. So um, you can't be half pregnant. You're either backing the kids for the season or you, you say, look, we, we, made a, we made a mistake with our recruiting. We weren't expecting the border closures. We weren't expecting the, the season to be disrupted. We were banking on a home crowds and, and early mm. momentum and all the rest of it, which they didn't get. They got one home game, I think, and then they were yep. sent east. Correct. Now they're coming back, right, and they've had to play home games in Tassie and everywhere else. So we give them a little bit of leeway, but your, your tactics, your strategy, you need to share that information, not back the club. Mm. You know, you need to share what they're trying to do. What were they trying to do? Were they going straight for, you know, Popper's gone, but we've got the players here that are going to make it. We've got O'Neill back and he's going to be, you know, linchpin in the middle and all the rest of it. They've been the worst to watch. We've mentioned it. They've been very, very hard to watch, even when the guys that they mentioned were injured were playing in the team. Yep. So, you know, they, they, they need to do a little bit more. I think he needs to do a little bit more for his supporters. Pinata's come out as well and, and done something similar in terms of, of backing Tony Sage, and he's replying to um, a few of his fans on social media. You know, I'm happy to talk to you on the phone. We can't really talk about the club's strategy. But it's just, it's damage control, but they... Of that they created themselves. They created this damage control themselves, surely. Yeah, I think this is self-inflicted. And, you know, the fact that... I, I mean, I'm not sure who's got access to the Perth Glory Facebook account, of course, but the fact that the Facebook account, like the official club account, has shared that Tony Sage post, 
Uh, if that was just something on his personal channels, fine. Yeah. So be it. But what's going on from a media perspective at the club? Like, they clearly can't control their own owner. They don't have any, like, say, no one's putting a hand on his shoulder and saying, Tony, like, you can't express it like this. You know, yep. you need to let us help, the players names help right. you. Yeah. You spell the players' names right for one thing, but also yep. help you craft your message in a way that is actually going to resonate with the supporters and not just anger people and turn mm. people off. Because this is what's going to happen. People are going to give up on the club they're going to turn away we've seen what's happened with the Wanderers over the years there was anger and you know there was a lot of people who wanted it to change and it didn't change and then they just gave up it's not hard to turn yourselves around in this comp look at Melbourne Mm. Victory okay yeah last year they were they were woeful terrible look at look at this year you know just it's not that hard because there's no pro promotion relegation right a couple of good recruits um, and it makes a world of difference. Strategy, recruits, and all the rest of it, and it can change. Mm. It can change so, so quickly, uh, but it hasn't for them for a long time. Well, I mean, Tony Pignard is busy still doing the open CEO thing on Twitter and uh, talking to supporters, and I, I guess he... he deserves some degree of credit for that. Uh, I'll read out his statement as well. I know full well there is a lot of angst out there given the season we are having and the results. I sympathise with all our fans and members. Rest assured we are all hurting at the club, but you need to put it in perspective. We have been decimated with injuries. You could pick a starting 11 with the players who are out. Over the last two weeks, we've lost one of the best strikers in the league playing for the Socceroos and Sardinaro now to an ACL, which is the first I've heard of this, by the way. Mm. First communication the club have put yeah. out, to my knowledge, that Sardinaro has done his ACL. Uh, so that that's a bit of breaking news, I suppose. Ruben and Chris are working hard with the players and credit to them, the football staff and the players who are giving 110%. They are totally committed. The club is united and I met with our chairman last night on how we go forward and what is needed. At the end of the season, we will do a full review. It is easy to kick us while we are down, but now is the time we need to stay strong and support us. We will come out on the other side better. Until then, make sure we continue to support the club, our players and coaches until the very end. Never give up. Well, I, I mean, that's a little bit more conciliatory and, and less, I guess, aggressive towards the, the, the keyboard warriors and the haters like Sage was. But it's still, I think telling people you need to put it in perspective is a bit condescending to me. It is, and I don't think they're, they're that united. I mean, Terry McFlynn, what's his role there? He's the academy manager for Perth Glory. And when Garcia got the flick, he was some very cryptic tweets coming out, similar to what we saw with the Wanderers under Robinson. He's also football operations, so there you go. I, I think he's in charge of recruitment, as as the co- communications around the Sturridge signing seemed to indicate that he has a database of players that he's monitoring or whatever, which I'm pretty sure is transfermarket.com. But. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, you could do that wrong. I love that website. I'm yeah. all over it. <laughs> yeah, so, look, I don't know how unified they really are. Let's be honest. Clearly, it's, it's damage control if they're going after their fans. Mm. So, anyway, we'll see what happens. I'm not sure who they're playing coming up, but... Uh, uh, well, no one knows who anyone's playing. playing we, don't know, we don't know when the games are. Tomorrow night they host the Wellington Phoenix, but I think they host them in Sydney. Um, Jubilee Stadium. Yes, a neutral venue. There you go. So that gives the Phoenix a chance to return home, which is a good news story we've got uh, for, this, mm. for, for this season. <laughs> Wellington Phoenix are going home, so they get some home games again. Similar to last year, back to the cake tin, and then I think the week after they're in Auckland. So uh, hopefully some uh, New Zealand supporters... Can go and support them. It's interesting that they play in Auckland. Like, I think they have some sort of agreement to play one game a season there, and for a one-off, they do get bigger crowds. Yeah, and usually the Auckland game is a bit of an event, so I can understand it. But also, the, for the fans in Wellington, they are the Wellington Phoenix. Yes. They, they're not just New Zealand's team. The football kings and the uh, <laughs> those wonderful teams that we did have. Yeah, it's an interesting one too. I mean, New Zealand uh, Knights. <laughs> New Zealand Knights. Auckland's a bigger market clearly in terms of people, but um. And they've played games in Christchurch and as well and, and a few others, I guess. I mean, if they've got an agreement to play one game a season there commercially, I understand. But the fact is that you've only got a few homecoming home games left. And it seems a little bit... Uh, I suspect it's a contentious in- issue among the Wellington-based fans to expect them to travel for that one game. Yeah, imagine if you paid your membership at the start of the oh. season as well. Imagine. All these home games and you get one. So they expect a few... I'm sure the yellow fever will come out in force. It's always good fun to watch those games on yeah. telly. So that's uh, they're back on Sunday, which is great. Yeah, I hope we see uh, tops off in the cold. Yeah, that's, absolutely. that's what I'm hoping yeah, for. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful things. All right. With that, I think we'll take a quick break. We've got Melbourne Derby to talk about. We've got Matildas. And uh, we're going to talk about the Asian Champions League as well. So stick with us here on the Oz Football Hour. Josh and Jason. 
looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbarousas! Welcome back to the Oz Football Hour here on FNR Football Nation Radio. Jason Goldsmith and Josh Parrish with you until 7pm. Hoping to be joined by Kayleigh United's Ryan Walters later on in the hour. Uh, But first, we've got some... Melbourne Derby action to dissect and it was a bit of a shock result to be honest. Uh, Given City's form, given that these ties have usually been pretty tight, often drawn games with neither side willing to risk too much and neither side really wanting to lose uh, we had a pretty emphatic result for Melbourne victory with Marco Rojas seemingly back to his best scoring twice in a spectacular performance. It was uh, it was pretty uh, vintage Rojas, and uh, one imagines that the all-whites recall will not be uh, not be far away, Jason. Absolutely. And you think about it, the form line leading in, City had won 6-0, then won 4-0 against Sydney leading into it, and Simon Hill was calling it as, you know, it's their, their title to lose, their grand final not to, to be a part of. Rojas has been amazing. Well, I was a bit cheeky about him uh, the last week or so. He certainly turned it on with some cracking goals. We've got Lockie Flanagan joining us now as well, uh, who was at the derby. Uh, Lockie, what did you make of, of City's uh, disintegration, shall we say? Uh, it was interesting. I, I think City's biggest problem in this game was they they committed the golden mistake, the one thing you can never do against a Tony Popovich side, and that's conceded within five minutes. You can you can never ever cough up an early early lead to a side who are so as stout as Victory are defensively. That that was problem number one. Um, but I just think they just got wrecked down down both flanks. I really think, um, particularly in that opening sort of twenty to thirty minutes where Victory did just sort of steal a march on the game. Um, you know, Scott Jamison had a really, really tough time, you know, battling with Marco Rojas and Davidson bombing on as well. He really just got overwhelmed. And obviously the penalty that gets given away, it's obviously Glover is the player who commits the foul, but he sold a little bit short by a back pass from, you know, from Jamison. And then he was caught, obviously not much you could do about the second goal. That one's on Glover. But the third one, you know, maybe Jamo's a little bit, too far away from Rojas. To be fair, it was a fine finish as all of Rojas's goals were. Take nothing away from that. But yeah, I just think that that weakness down both flanks really cost them throughout the game. And one nil is a hard enough situation to come back from against uh, Tony Popovich Melbourne victory. Three, when you also lose your best midfielder to a hamstring injury within forty minutes, forget about it. Forget about it. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, Rojas has made a habit of scoring against Hart slash City over the years. Mm. Uh, he's a perennial menace in these fixtures. But do you think the last couple of games has signalled a, a significant turnaround in his form, a, a return to the, the Rojas of old? Yeah, he's back. He's <laughs> yeah, back. Officially? How he's not in the New Zealand um, squad at the moment. Like, if he was an Australian in playing in that form in the A-League, we would be calling for him to get into the Socceroos. Mm. Uh, We've caught up worse, like? to be fair. So. <laughs> you know what I mean? But he's he was in magnificent form. Um, you mentioned um, Tom Glover. All right, so the Jamo back pass for the penalty wasn't really... He didn't have... Well, it was his fault. Because he caused the, the penalty, but the, the back pass was short. The second goal he punched, the double fist punch, there didn't seem to be anyone near him. You want to talk me through Yeah, that? like like I said, that, that one was definitely on him because I, I was speaking to a few other people on on the night, including, um, you know, a couple of people who were with me. One, one of them is a goalkeeper. And, you know, they said to me that that, that ball... In that kind of an area, the way it came in, it's it should be a collection with both hands, and he yeah. had both hands to it very clearly. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he was able to get two fists to it. Why not, you know, instead just try and you know really assert yourself on the area and, and claim it? I, I really, 
other than the pressure of the occasion and the amount of bodies in the box, you don't want to get it wrong, victory will feed off the scraps. I cannot for the life of me imagine why you would want to go for the double-fisted punch in that <laughs> in that moment, especially if where you're punching the ball to is the one spot that people are usually waiting at from from the downfall of a corner. Like people are always somewhere there's always someone on the edge of the box. Yeah, well the free kick I think it was, but I agree he was the only one in the air for that. He must have been rattled. I mean this was the that was the second goal. That was at 14 minutes. So 3-0 and that was after 27 minutes the score was 3-0. And then the crowd did their best to make the game finish early. So we saw <laughs> we saw the whistle, we saw the halftime whistle which happens to be another great I think peak A-league moment we're going to remember for many years to come. Uh, for those that didn't see, someone in the crowd did the ref's whistle and um, the game finished. The, the ground announcer started. They were putting cones out for the, the halftime game. Yeah, the juniors were out. The juniors were streaming their way up the sideline and I thought we were going to get sort of one of those weird games you get on uh, like... Like Japanese TV. Yeah, Japanese TV where you get like, you know, 22. Melbourne Victory and Melbourne City are playing against 100 juniors from, you know, <laughs> Barwon Soccer Club. Uh, not to be, unfortunately. But, yeah, we, the second whistle in, in towards the end of the 90 minutes, I don't think fooled too many people. But the first one, that duped absolutely everyone. I will put my hand up. I'll say it completely fooled me. It fooled the Paramount coverage. They, they went to, they cut to the Grand Prix fireworks off in the distance and... <laughs> Robbie Thompson had jumped into his, uh, you know, halftime spiel. But no, no, everyone was completely uh, sold a dream by that first whistle. <laughs> Shout out to whoever that was. Well done. Amazing. Like, is this going to be a, 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 the beginning of a spate of of fake uh, halftime and full-time the breaks? Cop, the copycat prankster. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I mean, so. could, could we have, like, serial pests on our hands? I kind of hope so. I, don't, I, mean, I mean, obviously not for the, the seriousness of the league, but I have to admit, it was pretty funny. Yeah, it's funny once. That's the thing, right? Yeah, that's it's always true. funny once. It's, it's it, it was already getting old death. by full yeah. time. For, yeah. me, for me, it's not the whistle that's funny. It's everything that happened around the, oh, the deception of the whistle that's so hilarious. Like, I, I haven't laughed as much as I did as seeing that poor guy, Victory Volunteer, who was just earnestly trying to put his cones out so the juniors could play, realising what had happened, and then just having to do, like, Inspector Gadget <laughs> arms running off the field as he tried to hurriedly pick up his cones. That's just... I mean, if that guy's out there and he's, he's watching or he's seen the video that I sent out of him on Twitter. Apologize. I apologize for making fun of you, but you, even you would have to admit it was pretty funny. And Chris Beef <laughs> looked funny. like a... He wasn't happy with it at all, and he looked like an angry school teacher. Well, Chris Beef always looks like an angry school well, teacher. Well, he did. He was very, very... Didn't see the funny side of it at all through the process. So, um, great. An atmosphere. Lockie was good. Back yeah. In, yeah. North, North, North Ter Terrace were absolutely fantastic. It was great to see nearly that whole whole area pretty much behind the mm. goals filled out and they had a, a good time sort of poking fun at the City fans who were stuck in the corner who to be fair you know that they made an okay noise when the game was still in the balance but after that you know they were just fighting a, an uphill battle really against a whole whole wall of uh, victory voices yeah no it was good it, it was it was the closest I, I w would say that the noise at least the atmosphere of it was probably as close as I've seen it to, like, the real mm. best, like, sold-out house kind of things. I mean, if, if it had have been competitive, I think that might have made a difference. But that was about as close as we've gotten, I think. I was at 17,000. I thought that was quite good given what the weather and also what was on in Melbourne. What was going on, weekend. yeah. I mean, so there was Richmond and Western Bulldogs were playing across the road. There was the Formula One. There was... I mean, the comedy festival, there was plenty of things to be spending your time in. You went to Crowded House yes, as well, Jason. Yeah, I did. So, my music yeah, well, people everywhere. It was good. There were Melbourne's, lots of, Melbourne's back. It's yeah. nice after a few years to be able to get angry at people bumping into you everywhere. Yeah, well, I think it was Alessandro Diamante who was walking through uh, Flinders Street doing his Instagram story just saying, you know, my two years in Melbourne, I've, I've never seen this many people. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> did uh, Crowded House perform their, their famous song? Hey now, don't whistle if it's not over. Yeah, don't dream. Yeah, the forty-five minutes aren't over. That's what they closed with. Yeah, so good from you, Josh. That's all right. <laughs> um, it's whistled wide over Lockie's head. Yep, it's too young for it. Missed it. 
So, City were in some form um, leading into that. Leckie kicked an amazing goal in the midweek fixture against Sydney mm. FC, kicked a couple. Um, it was held fairly quiet. But um, the Berenguer injury, do we know how serious that was? Because he went off before half. Looked like a pulled hammy to me. Yeah, it, it is a it is a pulled hammy. I think it might even have been a torn. Has he gone? Torn has he travelled to Thailand? I don't, yeah. I don't think so, but I'm not 100% sure. I, 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 PK did not seem... F- particularly confident about it at the end of the game and that's that's a massive loss because he has been easily easily I mean I mean maybe I guess Lecky has sort of pulled back into contention mm-hmm. but if we're talking about the course of the entire season to date Berenger has easily been their best player their most close to Johnny player. Warren medalist favorite too I would have thought he's yeah. been astounding for yeah exa- exactly so it's it's a it's a massive loss and I guess this Depends on really where their end of season ambitions mm. lie, but if you're looking at it from a league perspective, I guess it's a good thing for them that they've got that presumable, presumably month that he'll be out for. You know, hamstring injuries are usually four weeks or so. Um, they've got that month away from the A League, and so he'll hopefully be back by that time. But then it obviously hurts their Champions League ambitions if that's really where their aims are. But you know, they can they can bring out the forgotten Italian if they remember his name, Bucci. Yeah. I think he's already gone back to his home planet. I don't think they needed him. No. Well, they do now. <laughs> Might have to get him back. That's it. I, I think it was the. I think it's the grand final preview. If you look mm. at the form of the the clubs and leading into it, so I don't think um, Patrick Isnorbo will like to hear you say that. <laughs> I'm not sure. So, like, victory at twelve points behind City and with four games in hand. You see, four wins. It's spot on, right? Mm. It's 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 close. Well, I mean, if this is to be the if, if this is to be the the grand final, eventually, I think Patrick Isnorbo is going to have to do a lot of thinking and studying about how he is going to uh, change the equation against victory. Because I, I think even in the second half, I, I thought this game was an absolute whitewash. Like it was three nil. You know, you can say that that's not necessarily the most. It's an under underperformance from victory in the second half. Victory would have preferred to get four or five and have it be a statement win like the ones that City were able to get in previous seasons. You've you got to try and overturn the deficit from last year. Like, That's true. They, are uh, they working, took their foot off the pedal. They are working against mm. a heavy aggregate. But still, like this, this was a this was more than a 3-0 performance. Like City had more of the ball in the second half, but a lot of that was... A lot of that for me was as a consequence of victory being happy to let them have the ball. Like, I mean, we all watched the game. You know, Can you really think of a, a genuine patch in this game where City actually threatened the goal? I mean, Kelliver made one save, I think, off, no, off Tilio in the first half. they only had about first half. three yep. shots. But, yeah. yeah, I think it was two shots on target yep. for the game. And like, one of them was Jenkinson from outside the box. Yeah, and, and Naboo firing into into the, the corner of Amy Park with his, you know, Maybe step over cut bags, side Were their bags already packed for Thailand? Were they sort of ready to go? Because ready. from from the two games previously, like they were phoning it in, um, and it was also victory's first win since 2019 in a in a Melbourne derby. Which I also impressive. think there's potentially some accumulated fatigue there, but I think what's really holding City back this season is the sense of hierarchy in the squad as to who plays. Mm. Because, um, you know, Geordie Boss... He was great on Wednesday. He scored his first goal. It was amazing. He should have played, but Scott Jamison is the captain. Um, and he was absolutely torched. Uh, you know, and and same with Stefan Kolakowski, just hasn't had enough minutes this season. I don't think there's been enough rotation in that squad, even with the injuries and absences that they've had due to the, the soccer yeah, games. Which, which is even crazier when you consider how many games they've had to back up and do with the Champions League in mind. Like they've played more games than anyone else. They're also short one creative midfielder for mine to deputise for Berengue because, in my opinion, although he can do it. It's not an ideal fit, Tilio at 10. He's a winger. He's a winger who's being forced to play centrally because of the makeup of the squad. Like, it precludes him from getting minutes anywhere else. And I think that's something of an indictment on on City squad building. I think that's going to cost them because they basically would have had a better season if Kolakowski was the first backup for the wingers. Uh, and Tilio was one of the starters, and they hadn't signed Leckie or they hadn't renewed Naboo. Mm. I, I think they could have had a better season. Well, that's the thing, and we'll see. O'Neill missed as well, so if you start getting injuries to some of those... I know that sounds crazy, but it's, it's, a, no, it matter of, it's a matter of uh, assignment of resources, and I think they've, they've misallocated it. 
Yeah, I think uh, it could come back to bite them in this Asian Champions League campaign in particular. Yeah, they could have spent less money on the forward players and maybe more money on a, a keeper who's not going to punch the ball right to one of the best forwards in the league. Maybe, maybe, maybe a blip on the radar. We'll see. I mean, they've been they've been fairly consistent for most of the season, and just I guess it's because it's a, a derby loss that everyone sort of I, gets to look at it this that's way. True. That's yeah. true. You know what I mean, I just I do still think that this game did expose some of the bigger weaknesses that we've seen from the team this season. Like, their defending in transition is something that they just really need to look at. I think the gaps that they create, I think it's something to do with the way they play in possession, like obviously bringing the full back inside. Well, that was supposed to be a measure to guard against the transition. But I feel like it almost it's a does the opposite, now. especially against a victory side who I just have such a significant... Uh, speedy and direct threat in those wide areas to even run the risk of leaving that gap there. Mm. Don't think it works, and I don't think it worked on on Saturday. Well, maybe Paddy can uh, can call up Eric Mombarts this week and see if he's got any answers for him. But, it might uh, have to be a FaceTime. Yeah, might be. If you think about PK, it's what's his second full season as a coach. Mm-hmm. Like for the men's team, obviously he's done yep. tremendous work with the with the women's team and the, well, and the youth. Tremendous so. with the women's team with the most stacked squad in the competition. Well, still, still, okay. the best squad the competition's ever seen. So still, it's still a nice grounding to get get some silverware. That's true. I agree that's with true. you. The, yes, he did have the best the best squad they've ever seen but he's still a relatively young coach and if you want to compare it to Tony Popovich and from what Lockie's saying he's out coached so maybe mm. it's something that he needs to just put in the memory bank and, and do a bit of extra work for the next one it's soccer is audition for those two managers <laughs> oh gosh I mean I think I shouldn't even joke about don't, it don't, don't. <laughs> like I said to you before Josh you never joke about anything in Australian football because you spend too much time laughing about it It'll It'll come come true. Come it comes true. true. Yeah, it comes true. Just listen back to our uh, Fornaroli. selection, Fornaroli gags yeah, from exactly. the week before he was actually picked. Lockie, thank you for your insights. Pleasure. Uh, we'll send you back outside to where you belong. And uh... <laughs> Great. I enjoyed talking. I'll go back to pushing the buttons. Yes, please. We need you pushing buttons Are there out there. gremlins out there? Stat. Um, we'll go to our Oompa Loompa songs and dances. It'll be very fun. <laughs> we're going to take a break. We've got Matilda's chat on the other side, and we're going to talk Asian Champions League. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind Topo Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbarousas! Wow! Yeah! Like a salmon, a spawning salmon. And Tim Anty again! Oh, he's got it! Unbelievable kick from Maria. The Matildas left it late on Friday night to secure the win over New Zealand. Two goals in stoppage time. The winner, of course, from Sam Kerr to turn the result on its head after a night of frustration where they peppered the goal, but the ball wouldn't quite go in. Arguably an improved performance in a lot of ways, but New Zealand scored scored a worldie from the wing and uh, made it tough for them. Uh, This is the Oz Football Hour. I've got Jason here with me. My name's Josh Parrish, and... uh, Another, a rematch with New Zealand coming up tonight in Canberra. And we have the starting lineup for you exclusively here on FNR. It hasn't quite gone on the socials yet, but uh, it will shortly. Uh, Lydia Williams starts between the sticks. We've got Claire Polkinghorne and Alana Kennedy at centre-back. Steph Catley plays at left-back with Ellie Carpenter on the right-hand side. The midfield is Emily Van Egmond, Mary Fowler and Katrina Gorey. And the front line consists of Hayley Russo, Sam Kerr and Caitlin Ford. So you may notice if you, if that is eerily similar to the lineup that uh, played on Friday night. I thought you were reading Friday night's team out. So Kaya Simon played on Friday night and Caitlin Ford's come in. That is one change. Her. One change in that a, we've made. In a friendly. Mm-hmm. So he rotated goalkeepers for every different match in the Asian Cup, but in the friendly... And the Olympics, yeah. Yeah, and the Olympics as well, but for the friendly, we're sticking to the same. <laughs> no no offence to Lydia Williams, she's a camera girl, so sure. I guess she needs to want to play in front of her family and friends. But yeah, it's, you would think there'd be a bit of a, uh, experimentation with friendlies. Isn't that the whole point of these these games? Well, nothing about this squad has, has suggested that experimentation or trying new things is on the agenda. There's only one change that's been made, um, and that's Katrina Gorey coming back. Mm-hmm. She was great on Friday night, mind you. She was a standout. And I think she's the primary reason why we saw a more attractive style of football, uh, more pa- passing out from the back, less uh, or fewer long balls to Sam Kerr and, and hopeful direct passes yep. down the wings. 
Um, she linked the whole thing together. She knitted it together. Is she the long-term answer in that position? No, but is she the answer for next year's World Cup? She might have Maybe. to be, yeah. Maybe. She, might, she might have to be. So I, I guess we're clearly sticking – This is we're not really going to change much in terms of the players from – what he's got and what he's going to take to the World Cup. Clearly, there's no real experimentation mm. or add anything different. Anna Green's goal was amazing. There was conjecture in the commentary box on whether or not it was uh, deliberate. But um, Credit to her. She stuck to her guns. She says it was deliberate. She yep. was shooting. And she said she knew she had it in her locker, which from <laughs> a defender is amazing. It was. It was a great goal. And we got out of jail, really. So were they saying that it was um, the the... New Zealand team hadn't beaten Australia since 1994, so they were so close. I haven't seen it in my lifetime, Jason, so, and I don't <laughs> want to. Perhaps, well, I was going to pubs then, so that's okay. <laughs> I was, didn't watch that game, though. Um, and, yeah, we, geez, we left it late. So Van Egg won in the 94th and then Sam Kerr in the 96th. So those poor Kiwi supporters, if anyone that has gone to Townsville and thinking we've got this, we've got this, and they just didn't quite hang on. <laughs> Not quite. I'm Amazing stadium in Tansville these days. Yeah, it's, and, um, you know, rectangular stadium, um, really looking after their fans. It's a shame we don't have an A-League team up there anymore. Mm. It would have been... Um, Bring back the Fury. Fury. It's uh, Robbie Fowler, <laughs> David Williams. Anyway. Um, Trip down memory lane. With and Canberra line. again. So, you know, we... Speaking you, of garish, was, bright kids, <laughs> I mean... You want to spr- you, we want to spruik the national second division because we know that's sort of what we are we want to see. So mm. and Canberra is going to show us another great rectangular stadium tonight. You know, so um, we have the it's facilities. Not quite as spick and span as Townsville's it's, new one from twenty twenty. But it's, it's um it's, it's not, not a, too it's, bad. It's not a marginal seat either, so they can't throw <laughs> any money at it to, uh, to build it up. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the real story, I think. But uh, Caitlin Ford, happy to see her back in the lineup because I thought she did very well off the bench. So. Clearly this is uh, responding to the criticism that the team's been getting after the Asian Cup and just saying we have to win all these games because otherwise, you know, we're going to cop it. Which I, I don't think is the right mentality. I think it's a reactive mentality from the team and from Tony Gustafson. So so what kids do we have on the bench that are likely to come in? Or Sorry, not so much kids but inexperienced yeah, players. Yeah, The ones players. that haven't played so much. So we talk, what do we got? So we've got Tegan Micah and Mackenzie Arnold, the backup goalkeepers. Yep. Uh, the uh, young scrapper Ivy Lewick. Yep. Um, <laughs> shout out to her. Actually, she's yes. she's raising money for her um, brother. Yeah. Her brother who uh, has cancer. So uh, if you have the opportunity to go and donate to that, it's been doing the rounds on social media. We'll retweet it from the FNR account. Uh, Courtney Vine is one of the A League women's players who's been vaulted into the setup and mm-hmm. can be a really she good got minutes she, player. She got minutes on Friday. Claire Wheeler. Uh, Charlotte Grant is probably the least experienced player in the lineup, defender yep. from the A-League women as well. Tamika Yallop uh, is experienced. very experienced, nailed on player for the last 10 years in these squads, basically. Emily Gilnick, same. the same. Yep. Kaya Simon, the same. Yep. Alex Chidiak Needs is more game time, we someone hope. we yes. would like to see yep. play, but she only came in as an injury replacement for Kyra Cooney-Cross. So mm-hmm. I think... You know, her stocks are still low in the national team coaches' eyes. And Remy Seamson is another one of the uh, A-League women's Sydney FC contingent uh, that played so well during the regular season and uh, and should get some minutes. Um, well, what we would hope that would happen tonight is that we get some goals on the board early. Yeah. And then we can make some subs and we can give some game time to these players in a friendly. Yes. That would be what... Um, to repeat, it is a friendly... Most of us would, would like to see, I guess. There's nothing wrong with our Matildas. We love them. They're one of the most um, popular national teams in the country and we want to see them do very, very well. Great that they pinched the win on Friday night. We'll see them actually perform again on home soil. Hopefully we can get through, uh, yeah, get some goals in early so we do actually give a run to some of these younger players or uh, Matildas with less caps than they than they deserve. So Courtney Vine, just an update, has been ruled out through injury. So we won't see her off the bench, unfortunately. Is that where Wheeler's in, I think? Uh, so Wheeler is uh, still on the bench. So she, uh, Vine was on the bench anyway, but she's unavailable to be uh, substituted on. So uh, no real changes, no changes at all to the starting lineup, uh, which, again, is the tried and true, oh, once again, for Tony Gustafson. I think this is exactly what we're going to say. Give or take one or two players, this is exactly what we're going to see at the Women's World Cup next year. And the question is, is it enough? Yeah, let's see. We, we've, we've, um, 
Football Australia has gone all in on Uncle Tony. We have to back him until 2023. And then <laughs> we have a robust discussion leading up to and including that, uh, that tournament. Mm. But we've gone all in. We're going to have to back him. Same, same way that we're backing Arnie. I was. I have playoffs. to say, I was. I, I did enjoy watching the team, even if it was a quite a stressful night. Mm. And the, you know, they they absolutely peppered the goal. They created lots of chances. You know, they conceded a fluke goal that wasn't really anybody's fault in yeah. particular. Um, it's just a one in a million strike, really. And Katrina Gorey playing as the deepest midfielder. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen that from any other Matildas coach yeah. ever. And maybe it's a function of her getting a bit older and a bit slower and. Uh, you know, some players move further back down the field later in their careers. But I think this is a role she could have played many years ago. And the fact that Tony Gustafson, at least in friendlies against New Zealand, has seen fit to try her out there, given the paucity of options in that position, is a ma- major positive. So he deserves credit for that yeah. because a lot of managers are stuck in the mindset that the six is a defensive player and you have to play someone uh, who just tackles and shields the back four in that role and not, a, I guess, a deep-lying playmaker, register like uh, Gori is there. He interprets the position radically differently. I, th- I think the best coaches are ones that got the flexibility to allow their players mm. to play where they play well mm. rather to p- then play to their system, you know? And that might so, give them opportunity to play yeah. Claire Wheeler a little higher up the park as, you know, someone who can press and, and make up for maybe some of the defensive shortcomings of, of Fowler and, uh, and Gorey. I didn't think Emily uh, Van Egmond had a particularly good game. I thought she was pretty anonymous until she mm-hmm. scored. And again, that's the caveat, until she scores. Because yep. she is she's one of the best players in the box that Matildas have, bar Kerr. So, you know, that's why she's always in the team. Um, but the fact that she's no longer being played as the deepest midfielder Another big positive because time and time and time again, I reckon about half of her 100 plus caps have been in that role and she's just not good at it. Yeah. She just doesn't suit her traits. She's she's probably because she's such an all-round good player and has the capability to play in multiple positions. And the physique as a stopgap, right? So, you know, that's that's the thing. So she's she's good enough to play in a number of positions for us, but we, whether or not it's being the right one is there up for conjecture. But, yeah, she, she was pretty quiet until she scored... Kerr, always the you know fox in the box that's going to mm. do it for us. So it was great. Yeah, well, we'll see if we get uh, more moments to remember tonight. I mean, uh, you know, speaking to someone who coaches junior players, she was saying the kids don't care. All they were talking about is Sam Kerr's you know late winning goal. And win is the win. Tournament, any tournament, any any game. It's what you want to do. Exactly. Right? So the kids went home happy last time. We hope it's the same uh, in Canberra tonight. Uh, We'll take another short break and we've got Asian Champions League chat on the other side. So stick with us here on the Oz Football Hour. Victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbarousas! few more things to discuss on the Oz Football Hour before we go. Uh, got a comment coming in here on the live stream. Make sure you do comment if you are watching live and we can uh, interact with you during the show. Lyle has said, as a long-time Glory fan and member, I'm grateful Tony saved the club, but I feel that it's time he's sold up. We've had no consistency since the start of the A-League. I think it's, it's pretty accurate. I mean, they've just made the one grand final, or yep. two grand finals, sorry. There was one against Brisbane Raw as well, I forgot about. Um, but yeah, they've been pretty starved of success given how big a club they were in the NSL. Yeah, they closed out the NSL as the the club, right? The massive mm. one that did it. Um, and, you know, having the grand final, having to be moved to Optus Stadium when they got done on penalties, you know, they, they're, all, the, all the tools are there, you know, you put it together. You had a comment, Jason, about the uh, the scheduling, which we've been talking about endlessly this season. But Matilda's playing tonight, not the only game. Just as we come off air, 7.05pm, we've got two A-League games. The two biggest A-League clubs in terms of supporters everywhere. So Sydney FC are playing tonight and Melbourne Victory are playing tonight um, up against the, the national team of the Matildas. Now, we talked about how the APL and Football Australia are now like divorced parents and not really... Um, you know, don't want not wanting to pass and that's each other in the driveway. This is Danny prime, Townsend's words, not ours. Yeah, prime example. Give us some clear air. Friday mm. night's game as well. Watch them. I watched the Matildas over the the A League because we, we're getting um, we're getting thrashed with the games they have to make up at the moment. There's two tonight. There's two tomorrow night, etc. But please give it some 
fresh air, you know, clean air. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think we think we need f- some fresh air as well in here. It's getting a bit stuffy in the studio, but uh, uh, I think it's hard. F- like the the fixturing is a difficult process, obviously, with all the cancelled games and so forth. Correct. Like I understand that you know they've had a lot of challenges and they're not exactly singing, singing from the same hymn sheet anymore. No. Football Australia and and the A League, but having the two most popular clubs go head to head with the Matildas, I can't can't think that that would be good for business. Talking about Oz football and what works, and we've talked through it, so Matilda's games and Socceroos games, they work, oh. they rate on TV, they'll get their sponsors and all the rest of it, so they get that. So um, going up on Paramount tonight against <laughs> the Matildas is just just silly. Anyway. Well, at least you can watch the, the first half before the Matildas kick off. You can so. too. It almost, almost time's about right. <laughs> almost. 40 minutes. Almost. Yeah. So at least we they need, don't we kick need off that, that Melbourne, um, Melbourne derby whistle. Mm. Call it early at 40 minutes and you can watch the next Hopefully one. Hopefully gone over. Yeah, yeah that's, a chan- that's a task for anyone who's at the game tonight and wants Victory to repeat the at the prank. <laughs> you know, it's funny the first time. It'll be funny again this time if you can time it spot on. Uh, let's talk about the Asian Champions League or at least the Aussie clubs involved before we go. Uh, we haven't been able to track down Ryan Walters, unfortunately. We will uh, catch up with him on a future episode. Mm-hmm. He's uh, still in an airport in Bangkok, I think. So uh, uh, hopefully we'll be able to, to get him on shortly. But uh, these games being played predominantly in, in Thailand and Vietnam. Uh, Melbourne, Vic- uh, Melbourne City, sorry. Melbourne City playing against BG Partham United on Friday night. Decent kickoff time for us here on the East Coast, 9 o'clock. Uh, that's probably their biggest threat in the group. And that's not usually what you can say for a Thai team in an A-League side's Asian Champions League group. But such is the hand that uh, Melbourne City have been dealt here. I mean, they, they are almost guaranteed progression if they don't screw this up. And because it's been... the, the Korean team that they're playing against yeah. is in the second division. Yes, They won the cup, yeah. but they got relegated in the same season. So in, they're in K2, so they're no great shakes either. The, the thing about this has been City Football Group or Melbourne City's aim to get into Asia. So they're finally here. They finally get their chance. They've been dealt a very friendly draw. Some good times to watch it. So over Easter and then the Anzac weekend with the, the East Zone games. And for the good of Australian football, we want them to do well and we want Sydney FC to do well. So, yes, Friday night should be, should be great. And then I think they come up... Uh, against what's the wonderfully named United City. Which is a rebranded team, but it is the same club that beat Brisbane Raw back in the day. When, oh, when the numbers fell off. When they had the, the duct tape numbers. This is funny because I'm wearing a Usain Bolt top, but the, the <laughs> nine's fallen off. <laughs> it looks like a five. And I've only got the five because yeah. he wore the 9.5 oh, for right. his, um, his sprinting time. So, yeah. Yes, the duct tape came. So, um Again, great draw. So, And there's some other um, Aussie contingent in part of the East Zone, although not anymore. So Aaron Moy was playing for Shanghai and they've had to withdraw from the competition due to another lockdown mm. in China, which um, hopefully gets under control. Yeah, I think uh, most of the Chinese teams have withdrawn or are playing the reserves if they're not. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the Chinese teams aren't really a threat this year. Um, talking about the, the K2 team, they're facing John and Dragons. They're here probably a capable side, but they're mid-table in K2 right now. That's so great result. It's, 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 a, it's unfortunate that uh, Florin Berenguer is injured that we mm. just saw, which um, he'd make a big difference in that uh, in this competition. But uh, first up against their toughest opponent, BG Patham United, who have been described to me as a very talented team who are their own worst enemy and tend to shoot themselves in the foot and... Uh, make crucial mistakes in big games. Uh, I don't know if there's a club in the A-League that that reminds you of. <laughs> there's a few. Uh, that, to, to me, they were described like a, a John Van Skip, Melbourne Heart, Melbourne City team. <laughs> like really exciting yep. to watch, but in, two, in, the, crucial, in the yeah. crucial clutch moments, they uh, tend to, to choke. So uh, that bodes pretty well for City, I would say. I also... I'm really intrigued to see whether this game plan and this blueprint is transferable to Asia. We've seen with the Graham Arnold and Steve Corica Sydney FC teams, the answer has been predominantly no, mm. that it, it works in the A-League a lot of the time, but it doesn't really work in Asia where you're against more tactically disciplined opposition who don't make the mistakes and leave the big wide open 
gaps to attack and transition that A-League teams tend to in second halves. And Sydney FC, talking about their draw, it's an absolute nightmare. They're coming up against the best team in Korea in John Book and second best team in Japan in Kevin Muskets, Yokohama F. Marinos. So I don't see a route through for them in this competition. No, um, I am going to enjoy watching Yokohama uh, F. Marinos against Sydney FC. Just Again. For the, just for the musket factor. <laughs> just for the musket factor. It didn't happen, did it, last time? Wasn't it draw with um, when Ange was in charge? Uh, yes, so it wasn't musket that time. Yeah, no, it was it Ange. Was, um, and, and then we skipped a year because yeah. the A-League teams withdrew. That's right. Um but just, you can see Musket, you can picture Musket already just chewing gum and not try, trying very hard not to smile if his team's 2-0 up. <laughs> he can't resist the smirk if he's beaten <laughs> Sydney. You just know it. Yeah, so that, that's going to be interesting. We've got that Australian contingent there as well. So many games in a very short space of time for the Asians Champion League. So it's really um, a great opportunity for, for Aussie fans to get involved because there's some some pretty good kickoff times and I think we get all the games covered this time, don't we? We do. So there will all be, as far as I know, all be on 10 play. Yep. So not Paramount, but 10 play. Sometimes they're a bit hard to find on 10 play. Yep. Um, sometimes the streams don't go up until moments before kickoff. Uh, but if they should want all, it, it's there. Yeah. They should all be there, uh, but, which is something that we were assured was totally impossible when the rights belonged to Fox Sports, that it was just too expensive to put even, like, a stream up without commentary. Well, didn't the, the victory game have the, the Japanese score mm-hmm. um, scorecard in the corner? Oh, you can get through, you can work that yeah, out. Yeah, you it's can not, work out who's not who. Not that hard, but the kickoff times um, for the East Zone... 7pm, 9pm and midnight. So they're very, very workable to get involved. And we need to embrace this competition as mm. part of the Asian Confederation. So I'm looking forward to it. So starting for us in the East Zone, Easter, in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, Friday night, 9pm uh, and then Sydney FC are playing Saturday night midnight against John Book. Uh, so, you know, you've got a public holiday the next day, long weekend, perfect chance to settle get in. Get up and some have Asian. some chocolate eggs afterwards would be perfect, yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Jason, that's all the time we've got tonight thank you for your company Thanks, it's been Josh. fantastic this has been the uh the master foods mustard <laughs> edition uh not a sponsor of the Oz, Oz football hour we look forward to speaking to you again next week uh have a great night in football and uh, we'll catch up with you very soon victory looking to build barbarousas is quick is he in behind top or stanley it doesn't matter costa barbarousas Yeah.